Blog Talk Radio. I'm getting down to the sum of this. The sum of that. The sum of everything. Come Another extra edition of Come Get Sons is part two with Chris Shelton. Uh, something I'm sure you've all been waiting for. It is uh, everything's covered that wasn't covered in part one. He talks about OT3 versus OT8, which is some confusion I had uh, with the content of those. Talks about abuse in the church, a Scientology, quote unquote, church. And uh, we also talk a lot about uh, the well being of Shelly Miscavige and others, as well as 10 questions. Um, I plan on doing this. Uh, I don't know how many extra episodes I'm going to do, but I want the conversation to continue beyond Leah Remini's TV show when it's over, beyond Louis Thoreau's special uh, movie when it comes to America, beyond all these things, because these things tend to get forgotten really fast. So in an effort to keep the conversation going, I'm going to have a very interesting second or third extra episode of Come Get Some next Friday. Stay tuned to the end of part two with Chris Shelton here to hear what I have coming up next and, and, and going into the future here uh, on the subject of cults and Scientology more specifically. Uh, here's part two of Chris Shelton. I hope you all enjoy it. So, they, so there are parents who get it and go, you know, I really like Scientology. I really like L. Ron Hubbard. But this Seorg stuff, I don't know about this. That would be like Katie Holmes. And so you, yeah, exactly. So you get you get varying, you know, it's not every everybody in Scientology is not a mindless robot. There's there's varying levels of commitment and dedication and belief. And sometimes it's like like I made the the analogy with Kathy Shankleberg. I don't know if you know her very well or not. I do. She's uh, she, she's awesome. Um, yeah, she is. I asked her about it. It's kind of like being pot committed in a poker game. You you've already put all your chips in. Like you might as well see what happens if you stay analogy. in the hand. That's right. That's a great analogy for for the Scientology mindset. If you start having doubts, you know some people never have those doubts. <laughs> they go in and they're all in, man. They just like they just all in all the time. Ah, here we go, you know. <laughs> and uh, and other people are kind of like, you know, I don't know about this. All right. <laughs> in for a penny, in for a pound. So you know, there we go. You're you're in, yeah. Yeah. So it must be. It feels like after watching Larry Revenue's program and, t- and seeing people talk about getting to OT8 and beyond, that it's a great disappointment. You, you don't you don't find what you're looking yeah. for ever. Yeah, I I was involved for 27 years, and the highest I got was the state of clear, right? And then they canceled that on me, and I got sent back down to the bottom. It's it's kind of ironic that I when I left. Scientology. I was at the exact same place on that that bridge to total freedom of theirs. I was at the same place as the day I walked in. Wow. Which I thought was interesting. They sent me all the way back down to the bottom, right? I was going to have to re- redo that purification rundown and sweat out all my toxins and all that bullshit. Wow. But, um, but after I got out, so I, so I never made it to those OT levels, but once I started finding out how bad it all was when I, you know, when I left the Sea Org, and I got on the internet, and I went down this rabbit hole of truth of like, oh my God, this is like, what have I been doing for the last 27 years? Right. When I went down that hole, the last thing that I read was the OT level. I got the I got the information on the internet, and I was, you know, and I was still, even after everything I'd read, after three months of like, you know, all this like horrible, awful truth about Scientology, you know, hitting me up one side and down the other, I was still, I still had some trepidation about about reading these OT levels because the indoctrination is so heavy right. in Scientology that if you expose yourself to this material before you're ready for it, it could hurt you. Oh, you were afraid to read it. And yes, I actually <laughs> had some, I still had some some little trepidation in the back of my head. But when I did, and the, and the reason I'm talking about this, is I was furious, furious at how stupid it was, <laughs> and how it was. I mean, I read them all. I read OT 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. I mean, I read everything. And it took that and long. I it takes that long to get so to the point. Pissed. 
Yeah, so it takes you so I'm long. So upset. It takes you so long to get it to the point that you. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> the whole Zenu thing doesn't make sense. The OT1 material doesn't make sense. The OT2 material. I mean, Zenu is just one tiny part of it. There's so much to it. This is why I wrote a book, is so I could like explain all this stuff. I have a whole chapter about, you know, these OT levels, and um, and and Zenu is 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 there, but that's that's just part of it. You know, there's a whole lot more to what Hubbard says. Well, that's the easiest and thing. I read all of it. Yeah. And it was crazy. It was just <laughs> totally, totally crazy. It, it, it's logically inconsistent. Right. It's factually wrong. It, I mean, he, he, he asserts things as facts that you know are not true. There's just no way they're true. Just says it. You know, volcanoes on Earth 76 trillion years ago. You're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> DC, you know? was it DC-8? I mean, this kind of stuff, right? <laughs> it's, it's crazy. He refers to, you know, I, I mean, just a stupid little thing, but just as an example... He refers to, uh, in, the, in the whole Xenu narrative, he's talking about this guy. And actually, by the way, the, 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 the name of the ruler was Zemu with an M, not N. Everybody gets it wrong, but it's kind of funny how that happened. But anyway, Zemu, <laughs> this guy, you know, he's this galactic overlord who's solving overpopulation by killing everybody with, you know, through, through genocide with atomic weapons. And he brings everybody in the galaxy to Earth, right? Trillions and trillions of people in these DC-10s or nines or whatever. And Hubbard says that one of the uh, stars that belong to the galactic system here, the, you know, that, of planets that, that were the galactic confederation, as ridiculous as all this sounds, right. he said that one of the planets, one of the stars uh, that, that, that made up this confederation was Polaris, the North Star. Well, Guess what? Polaris has only been the North Star for the last 2,000 years. If that, right? The North Star changes because guess what? We're moving through space, and so is everything else, and it changes positions drastically over over the millennia. So if you trace back what the North Star was 76 million years ago, it's not Polaris. It's a very, very different star, right? Because the, the whole night sky was radically different that long ago. Right. <laughs> so it's just, you know, I just bring this up as a little tiny nitpick, but it's that kind of stupid fact-type thing that you can just take all this stuff apart with. You know, Hubbard didn't have a clue about astronomy, or he never would have said something so stupid. Right. You know? But everybody and, just listens. And it's that kind of thing. You just go, what? You know, and, there, and, it, and the OT levels are filled with this kind of factual drivel. And, and, I, and, I was, and I read this stuff, and I just thought, this is what I worked my ass off for 27 years for? Right. Is this? This is what's supposed to save the world? This is what's supposed to give me the answers to life? For, this is crazy. This is this stuff is crazy talk. This is the ravings of a madman, and I was just so pissed. Oh my God, was I pissed? Can, can you clarify so for me I something? Understand, uh, so I understand when people get to the top of the bridge in Scientology and feel some degree of disappointment. Yes. You know? Yes. <laughs> uh, can you clarify? Yeah. Can you clarify for me? Because I always got this mixed up, I guess. Because when I went through reading the OT levels as a curious bystander years ago. I stopped at OT3 because it was ridiculous enough I didn't need to see anymore. Um, yeah. I believed, I thought I read or heard that somewhere that when oh, when Zimu, and I have to go back and listen to yeah. those audio recordings, apparently he says it in the audio you said in a past interview with somebody, yeah. and uh, I've heard those drunken rumblings before, but I don't remember them very well. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he says it in an inter- he says it in a lecture, and he actually did write it with an M. It's just a it's a cursive M, so it looks like an N, so people get confused. But that's yeah. All right, so he says that Zenu Zemu brought these different various races of overpopulated aliens, dropped them in the volcanoes frozen, dropped hydrogen bombs on them. Now, here's, here's where my confusion comes in, and hopefully you can clear it up, because I'm hearing that in OT8 yeah. that God and Jesus and religion is implanted by psychiatrists. But yeah. what my recall from OT3 was that when the spirits of the aliens rose from the volcano, they were caught in some kind of spirit-catching magic net, 
and put into a movie theater, and they were brainwashed the story of Jesus Christ. They were they were implanted not with Jesus Christ specifically. If we're going to get into the the, the real this is real nitty minutia now. Okay. But they were not implanted with Jesus Christ. They were implanted with religion. Period. Okay. So Angels, more specifically, devil, God. Yeah, like the like the whole concept of God, angels, devils. Um, I think Hubbard says the whole all the concepts of Catholicism and Christianity. Or I, I think he I think he specifically says Catholicism were implanted at that time. Okay. Right. Yeah, he puts a lot on this on this whole Zemu thing, and he now it's now at the level of OTA he further clarifies this by talking about the fact that the Jesus figure is an implant, and whether that's part of OT three or some other implant, or it happens you know numerous times in a person's you know, near infinite life cycle of having lived in this universe for, you know, trillions and trillions of years, according to Hubbard. <laughs> right. Um, this Messiah idea, the idea of a... The, the way Hubbard presents this, that, that the way I can explain it that makes the most rational sense is that there are other civilizations, there are other cultures out in the, out in the space, right, that have made a made a, a, a business of um, enslaving other populations, other planetary populations, right? Kind of like evil Star Trek or something, right? They go around and right. they take over planets and they, they don't have a prime directive. They, they, they take over. And one of, this, one of the mechanisms that they use to control populations is this concept of a messiah. And the messiah figure, whether it's Jesus or Muhammad or whoever, is actually one of them who comes down and tells the population, I'm here to save you and this sort of thing, and then uh, actually controls the population and keeps them subjected, right? Oh. And this is a control mechanism to, to control whole civilization. And, if, and this is how Hubbard viewed religion. <laughs> and it makes sense that this is how Hubbard viewed religion because look at what he did with religion, Right. So this is how he viewed all of organized religion, is he viewed it as a control mechanism to control the masses. And so this was part of the narrative of Scientology, and that's why he says uh, at OT3 and again at OT8 that this Jesus figure is just an implant. It's just an idea that was forced on you as a, as a, as a being many, 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 many trillions of years ago, and you've carried this idea, and that's why you have religious beliefs now, it's because you were told to have religious beliefs and you were, you know, made to feel this way. And this is how Hubbard tells Scientologists that they've been controlled all these years and that Scientology is freeing them of yep. these implants, you see. So, so that's, that's the most rational explanation I can give you for where Hubbard was actually coming from with this. So it's really no coincidence that everything that anyone who ever leaves Scientology is accused of and everything, anything that could possibly oppose Scientology is accused of all the things that Scientology actually is and does and Scientologists at the top do. And you <laughs> are. got it. You nailed it's it. It's just right a there. mirror. It's just a it's, mirror. Yes. That's oh, right. It's insane. It's very clear. It's, it's insane how clear it is and how much they think they're hiding it. Now, I want to say something real quick. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I, I want to say something real quick. That's what's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> For anyone listening who is in Scientology who may have snuck away and secretly listened to this podcast, rolling your eyes that can't accept anything you heard here today, please listen to this. Chris can confirm this. I've heard this before many times that when you're going up the bridge and you, and you, and you clear certain areas, you're sent back because the book has something missing from it. Uh, something wasn't done right, and you have to do it right now and pay for it again, the the course yeah. and the book. And uh, right. I believe you have to return the old book, right? So you don't even get recompensated re for the old book. <laughs> That's right. All right, so listen to this. You heard it from Chris. In Scientology for how many years? 27? You heard it from Leah Remini, a lifetime in Scientology. You heard it from Mike Rinder, years and years in Scientology. You've heard it from everyone who's ever come out of Scientology that that's happened to them. If it happens to you next week, 
Please no. There can only be so many things that they forgot that L. Ron Hubbard, who died in 19 when? <laughs> that they uncovered and he wrote and they couldn't find. There could only be so much. It's not like Tupac where he keeps making music. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, and, and here, and I'm just going to say, since we're on this subject, um, it's a real insult to the intelligence of every Scientologist and to the memory of L. Ron Hubbard to even assert that that's the case at all, that there were, that there were transcription errors, you know what? errors with L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah, that's a bit in fault. And there, well, here's the thing. L. Ron Hubbard wrote almost all of those books in the 1950s. Does anybody really believe that he never looked at his own books? That in all those years, he wouldn't have noticed massive, major flaws of that character in his own book? Over 20 years later, he never cracked open a copy of his own Dianetics or Science of Survival or Fundamentals of Thought or Problems of Work or any of these books? I'm like, come on, of course he did. I mean, I'm an author. I've written a book. I've opened up my own book plenty of times. Right, and there's then there's plenty of times I would have noticed errors in it, you know, <laughs> typography errors, transcriptionist errors, and, and and so so to even think that something that L. Ron Hubbard dedicated his entire you know second half of his life to, and he did, you know, right, you know, say what you will about Hubbard, he he really did believe in his subject. Right, especially over the last twenty years of his life, he really, really bought his own bullshit. Really, and he was dedicated to making it happen. I mean, he was he, there. The guy was a megalomaniac. He was an ego. He was a narcissist. He was he was all kinds of horrible things. But he did buy into his own subject, and so to think that he would that he was not deadly serious about his subject being properly communicated to people, and he was serious about that, right? So to, to, so to assert this idea that he never looked at his own book right. and noticed these things, you, you see what I'm saying? It's, it, it's, it's ludicrous, and David Miscavige actually stood on a stage and did that. And this is errors. And, these, these errors are just commas, you said in one interview, right? Sometimes it's just a bad no, punctuation. They were, they, oh, they were, there, were, there were varying degrees of uh, of things that Miscavige said Hubbard missed, right? Uh, now, he never said Hubbard missed them. He said it was the transcriptionist and the typist and the editor of course. and all these people. But it was, it, was, um, it was things like, you know, all these semicolons in this one book, Science of Survival. He said, that, he said they got rid of like 900 or 1,000 semicolons or something that were incorrectly put in there. And there was another book where pages had been had been put out of place, and so um, so the text didn't make sense because page three was actually <laughs> page five, and page five was actually page you know four, and and they got it all mixed up, and now they found that and they fixed it, and you know and, and, and at first I, I you know I was there with everybody else in 2004 or five when he said this, and I went okay all right well maybe that makes sense because these books are kind of hard to read and they are sort of gibberishy. And maybe that's why, right? And I was like, okay, good. And everybody kind of secretly was like, oh, okay, maybe this is why this stuff never made any sense to me. Remember, we were talking about that. <laughs> yep, right? yep. So, so we were, you know, we're craving some, you know, okay, good, this makes sense, right? <laughs> but then, but then you stop and think about it for a minute. And you go, wait a minute, <laughs> Hubbard never noticed this, you right? Know? So, so then it then it all just breaks down again, you know, and it just becomes a, a you know more nonsense. But this is this is Scientology. This is how it rolls. It's really multi-level marketing to an extent. I mean, even even it, it, it is everything. Even yeah. the iPhone Every seven rolled into one. iPhone seven could have come out five years ago. I mean, it's just they had the perfect book years ago, but they want to give out the different ones. It's the same ones in rotation. I bet the same ones in rotation. Exactly. All right, so, so I want to ask you. It's all, it's all it's all pretty goofy stuff, and it's very laughable. And it would be, uh, really, it would be just, it would just be funny, except for the abuses. There's just too much you know. physical, sexual, yeah. um, and, and, and mental all all over the place. That's right. 
exactly. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it really does ruin people's lives. And that's, that's I mean, I lost, a, I lost my fiancé. I lost, you know, uh, a, a potential family I was going to, you know, marry into. I lost friends that I had for over 20 years overnight. I mean, just imagine that. You know, you're going through life, and suddenly, you know, 90% of your Facebook friends are gone, out of your life forever. They don't want to talk to you. If you happen to work for any of them, you don't have a job anymore. If you're married to them, guess what? You don't have a spouse anymore. You don't have kids anymore. It's like that. That's what Scientology does to people who question it, at all start thinking for themselves, this is what happens, and that is destructive. There's no other word for it, and so, wow. so that's why people need to stay away from it. It's a, the goofy beliefs are one thing, but but the practice of Scientology is what is really, really destructive, and that's what I'm far more interested in exposing or getting out to the world than the fact that they have goofy beliefs, which are goofy, no question about it. It's right. very laughable, but those abuses are for real. And there's and there's really you know not to get all you know stupid or serious or anything but no. but the truth is there really isn't a whole lot funny about that. Not at all. Um, I, I can tell you, um, I intentionally when with the rant I, we talked about earlier that I went on last week, I intentionally didn't get into details of the Mike Rinder thing because I didn't want to. I didn't want to do that injustice. And I didn't want to take away from what I was saying about Amy Scobie. Um, it's all very serious. Yeah. It is. And we, we point out the silly stuff because it's, we want people to see it. We want people to understand. Look. Yeah, it's goofy. Just see it. it is. Just see it and know. Yeah. And um, I, I want to know, do you buy into the physical abuses? you think uh, uh, Tom DeVos and, um, and Mike Rinder were no, physically abused? Po- yeah. I'm absolutely positive that happened because I was physically abused in Scientology. Not by David Miscavige, but by his, his direct juniors. And I'm absolutely positive that, that that they learned it from him. So I have zero question as to whether David Miscavige, you know, has beat up on his staff. I'm positive that he has. Oh wow! And, and you know, Lear Remini was once one of these people you looked at. I remember watching the John Sweeney interview in BBC, where uh, she yep. laughed at him when he mentions Emu, and I could tell, you could tell. She's a great actress and all, but you could tell her and Kirsty that there was something insincere with that cackle. That, that, that oh, Zenu, right, whatever. You could tell, and when you watch that scene with Mike Rinder, you can see it on Scientology Aftermath on the Mike Rinder uh, episode. And, and I remember seeing, I remember thinking this in 2007, I think, when I watched it. Was this like, why is he saying this? He's yelling, you know, John Sweeney's trying to help him. You're being abused in there, aren't you? And he's saying it's rubbish. And you can see the look in Mike's face. He doesn't believe what he's saying. You can see it. And it's terrible. And you can see physically what he looks like. He he didn't look all that well. He's undernourished. He looked awful, you know. And and I used to, honestly, I used to kind of look the same way. Because they work your ass off, man. And they don't feed you well, you know. Right. So it's not, it's, it's, it was, you know, when I was on that RPF program um, for three years, I and mean, when I got off that thing, I don't know, I think I was down to about 135 or something. Wow. I was, I was, I did not have a whole lot of body fat at that point, you know. It was, it was very physically grueling uh, activity. And so was the hole where Mike, you know, had come from when he was on that BBC special. You know, and he looked awful. You look at him now compared to then, and it's night and day. You know? Right. And I was trying to get He's to a... He's his skin now. Yep. yep. I was trying to get to where I was going to say, so you can look back at those old videos of Mike Rinder, and I've even said in the past, uh, in my Kathy interview, I said, eh, he kind of looked like a prick the way he came off, because that's what he was being told to do, and he felt like he had to to get out of his trouble, because right. he was in a bad place. And, and I found out shortly after that that he had left right after that. And um, exactly. And you look at that, and you th- you can. It's easy to think bad things about Mike Render, and it's easy to think bad things about Larry Remini. But you've met them, and you spent time with them. What is your opinion mm-hmm. of um of those oh, two? Oh, they're great people. No, they're great people. Leah is tough as nails, man. She oh, yeah. is hardcore. What you see with her is what you get. I mean, that is exactly what she's like. And she is very serious about um about this show and about 
you know, this, um, this issue that she's taken on and taking on the Church of Scientology. This is not some little pet project she's got going on because she doesn't have something better to do. Yeah. Mike, of course, was like me. He and I have both been, you know, speaking out against Scientology for years now. He's got this daily blog he has. Yep. Now he's, and he's, and he's, he's testified in court. He has done TV shows and that sort of thing. Um, and I, I don't know. I guess I can say that now, too. But that's, you know, that's what we do. And we do it because we were involved with something where we were, in a way, we were responsible for hurting people, you know, right. through our actions and through our inaction. And once you find out about that, you have a decision to make. You know, what am I going to do about that? Am I going to just, you know, forget it and <laughs> move on with my life and never think about it again? That's an option. You can do that. Or, you know, we joined Scientology because we wanted to help people. We honestly, honestly believed that what we were doing was helping people. And that purpose to help doesn't go away oh, just no. because you leave Scientology. Right? In fact, it becomes even stronger. And so now that the, now that the Scientology nonsense is out of our heads, we're able to focus our attention, you know, that much more. And we want to do something about this destructive group. And so that's what Mike's doing. That's what I'm doing. And, and what a lot of other people are doing and have been doing. Because I have to just, and I'm just going to comment on this real fast. This wave of anti-Scientology media and, and, the, and the exposure of it and that sort of thing is, is, is late on a series of things that have been going on since the 70s and 80s. And we are really standing, Mike and I and Leah, you know, we're able to do what we're doing because of what people before us did. And in a way, we are standing on the shoulders of giants, the people who came before us who had to endure a hundred times more, you know, personal fair gaming than a website. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I'm getting off light compared to, say, Paulette Cooper in the 70s. Oh, God. Or, yeah. You know, Jerry Armstrong in the 80s or Lawrence Wallersheim in the 80s and 90s, um, you know, Dennis Ehrlich in the 90s. I mean, there are people who suffered great, great personal, um, they had, they paid a price, let's put it that way. Yep. And it was a heavy price in order to take on Scientology back before the Internet, before it was easy to do you know, now I can do a YouTube channel and I can do a blog and I have the, the ability to do that. And it's relatively easy compared to what Paulette Cooper had to go through in the 1970s, mm-hmm. where they drove her nearly to suicide. Now just to clarify, implanted, you know. You have to say it right now. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're saying it. Well, yeah, they had people implanted in her life. I mean, her boyfriend for five months was a, was, a, was a Scientologist reporting back to the church every day. She had no idea. Right. And he was, trying to, and he was literally trying to talk her into killing herself. I mean, it's, it's horrifying what they did to her. It's mm. unbelievable, which is why it's, it's hard to even talk about because it's so unbelievable. And they framed they her, right? Her back in the 70s. They, they, they framed her for bomb threats, didn't they, using her own stationery? Yes, they framed her for a bomb threat. They had her in court with the FBI investigating her because the FBI thought that she was threatening to bomb the Church of Scientology when it was the Church of Scientology who had written the bomb threat yep. on her stationery and turned them into the FBI to frame her. And all of this came out when, the, when they raided the church in 1977 and they got the documents. They just happened to get documents about her. <laughs> That's not why they raided the church. But that was part of what came out of their raid. Right. And they were like, oh, my God. You know, they had no idea. Nobody could believe a church would be doing this kind of thing. This is, this is Gestapo tactics. This is crazy. It's, it's pretty know? deep. And, that, and, and her shoulders and, you know, these other people that I mentioned who, who fought the church and took it on legally and took it on, um, you know, through publications and whatnot. Russell Miller wrote the biography of L. Ron Hubbard in the, in the 80s, right after he died. He got all kinds of hell from the church professionally. He was never even a Scientologist. He was just some journalist in Britain. All these yep. guys were, were put under intense amounts of pressure by the church 
um, because they were trying to expose what the church is doing. And it's because of their efforts that we have these OT levels to look at, that we know so much about L. Ron Hubbard, that we are able to, to say with such authority what we can say about this organization. And, you know, as well as, of course, our own personal, you know, Mike and I, our own personal experiences with it. So I just want to, I just want to do a little bit of a shout out to those people because they yep. are the, they were the ones who really paid the price for us to be able to do what we do now, now that the church is really in its death throes. You know, it really is. It feels like that's, it. That's why. You know, it really is. They're, they're, they're on their way out. They're down to, you know, maybe 20, 25,000 people worldwide. I mean, it's a tiny little group at this point. And, uh, and they're, not, they're not long for this world. It doesn't mean they can't have a resurgence, and that's why we stay on top of it. Um, oh, no question. Yeah, no, they need to be, they, the exposure needs to continue. I'll Definitely. tell you when, and I want people to know, there's no way in my mind that, that from a few TV appearances and from a few books, these guys are getting financial security off of Scientology. So the whole looking at the get rich thing no. is a joke. It's a joke. I wish. <laughs> right? I keep, uh, for my, I, keep, I keep waiting for my check from Big Pharma. You know, supposedly Big Pharma, you know, sponsors all of us to speak out against Scientology because, because uh, you know, Scientology is, is hurting, you know, Big Pharma's uh, profits because they're exposing how bad you know psychiatric drugs are, right? Uh, and this is what they this is what they actually tell Scientologists. They used to tell Scientologists that when Anonymous attacked Scientology in 2008, that Big Pharma was paying Anonymous members to do that. So I'm so <laughs> I doubt I'm waiting it. For my, I'm, yeah, I'm still waiting for my checks from Big Pharma. I'm still waiting for you know these TV appearances. You don't get paid for that. They fly you out. You do it and you fly home, and that's it. That's what happens. Yeah, I'm not. How much am I paying you, Chris? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you, that, and that, that's Christopher Shelton. Just make sure you get that name right on the check. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, nobody they're not always on the right side of the law, but no one tells anonymous what they're gonna do. <laughs> so they no, don't. no. It's, it's, it's just it's just as pure fantasy as Zemu. I mean it's just it, it, these people tell themselves this stuff to make themselves feel better or something, but that's not what motivates us to do what we do. I'm not doing this believe me, there is very different things I could be doing with my life right now where I could be making all kinds of money and that's not what I'm doing with my time right now because I think this is more important. And, and just to mention, why, why Anonymous was protesting was based on the story, and I believe it started out with, if I'm not mistaken, with the 2020 investigation of Lisa McPherson. Back in the, back in the um, 90s, yeah, Lisa McPherson was killed by Scientology. And that should never be forgotten. Took on, yeah, no, it should never be forgotten. It was awful. Um, but the reason Anonymous took on Scientology was, was actually because of the Tom Cruise video. Oh, the leaked video. Yes. They, the Scientology, uh, a, a video was leaked of Tom Cruise talking crazy talk about, you know, how great Scientology was, and he looked pretty, pretty crazy. Nobody had ever seen this side of Tom before. And this video got out on the Internet, and the church tried to suppress it. They tried to take, get it taken down. And somebody in Anonymous heard about this, and they were like, what? Because they were getting all kinds of laughs and, you know, lulls over this video. And so suddenly the, the, the I think they call it the strike stand effect, but this, <laughs> this video just started appearing everywhere because Anonymous members were mirroring it everywhere all over the Internet, and Scientology was trying harder and harder to take it down. <laughs> and so then they were like, oh, Scientology is all about restricting freedom of speech. Well, we're not into that. Right. And they started looking into Scientology and finding out about Lisa McPherson and about, you know, they, they, heard, they heard in 2008, they saw uh, all these posts and books and things that had been done by those earlier people I was talking about, and they were like, what have we stepped into? And they started taking on the Church of Scientology for its actual abuses and human rights violations. And they brought it to the attention of the world. And Anonymous was a milestone in the fight against Scientology. And what they did was, it, 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 it was not planned. It could not have been better. It could, it could not have been the most perfect 
foe for Scientology because Scientology's playbook of tactics doesn't work with Anonymous. Right. L. Ron Hubbard never predicted anything like Anonymous right. happening. <laughs> he didn't even he didn't even predict the internet. He didn't know any of this stuff was going to happen. You know? Yep. So, so so Scientology was totally totally caught with their pants down when Anonymous happened, and and they've never been the same since. Well, thanks for clarifying that, because I was, I was nicking it well, with yeah. Lisa McPherson somehow. I think it was the anniversary, though, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Yeah. It was, yeah. Um, it was, it, Lisa McPherson's story is a true tragedy in the history of Scientology. And I think... She did not need to die. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I think there's a... I, I think it's only fair to point out there, there was more Lisa McPherson's over the years that never got that kind of that kind of attention. Yes, there have been. And I know about a couple of them, and, and maybe those stories will get out at some point. One was mentioned on Leah Remini's show, uh, I think, just last week or the week before. Maybe the one you were on, I mm-hmm. think, actually. Um, mm. So I want to ask you one more thing about one more thing. So we're running kind of long here, and you've been great, by the way. Thank you for, for this. Um, Absolutely, no problem. Are you concerned? Are you genuinely concerned for the well-being of Shelley Miscavige, that's uh, David Miscavige's wife? Um, yes and no. Um. Yes, I am concerned about her as a human being. Um, I am uh, bothered by the by the treatment that she's gotten and the fact that she is in the situation that she's in because I feel for her like I feel for anyone would feel for somebody who is in a concentration camp or is in a prison situation, um, you know, where, where it's a sort of wrongful imprisonment sort of thing, right? I feel bad for her right. that that's happening to her. Um and I, and I think that, you know, in the context of her world and the way that she has, because she was, she was raised with Scientology, right? Um, she's never known anything else but that world. So I feel for her because I know that she knows, from her way of thinking, she has no choice but to, but to be in the position that she's in. Yeah. It's not true. It's not correct. You know, it's not, it's not right. She she can and should get out of that situation, but she doesn't have, for whatever reason, she doesn't have the force of will to do that. Okay. And so I feel bad for her for that reason. Anything. On the other hand. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'll let you finish. I also know that she's. Well, the other thing I have to say with her, and I've said this before, is that she's married. She was married to David Miscavige. She still is. He, she was with him, side by side, with him, doing all the horrible things that he's done up until 2004, 2005, when she, you know, got got put away. Mm-hmm. And I don't have any sympathy for her in, that in regard. regard to yeah. those activities. Because David Miscavige is the worst of the worst of Scientology. And she supported him, worked with him, aided and abetted him. Yeah. And I cannot support that in any way, shape, or form. Okay. I, I feel for her situation, and I hope that she gets out of that situation. And if she does get out of that situation and choose to speak out about what happened, I would absolutely support her in any and every way possible. And so the, the, the idea that... Um the idea that comes up in my head, and it's all purely speculation, I think some people might be... Other people might be concerned about it. The... The reports, uh, uh, Tony Ortega has reported on something that he claims is a is a very reliable source, and I find Tony Ortega to be a very reliable source. Uh, that she's been yep. spotted, looking disheveled, looking a little lost, yep. uh, looking frail. Is there report. is there any suggestion? Do you think in that that she might be under the influence of some kind of drugs to keep her from really showing any will to escape because she's just out of it? No. I, that would shock me beyond any realm of reality that I have because Scientologists, as bad as they get, are very anti-drug, and they would not resort to that kind of tactic to keep her under control. That's not how they would do what they do. So, David... They psychological and cognitive trickery to keep people under control. They don't use drugs. So David Miscavige buys into that. David Miscavige isn't going to put himself above that and just do what he wants to do, regardless of what the beliefs are. Well, my conjecture is no. Okay. I don't think he would do that because he would have to have the cooperation of other Scientologists in doing it. True. 
and I and I just don't think that that's the way he would go. Okay. I'm. I will absolutely say that I could be wrong. I'm not insisting that that this is true, but the attitude in Scientology about any kind of psychotropic or mind-altering drugs is that they are the tools of Satan, basically. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they absolutely would not resort to using those under any, uh, you know, under any circumstance. All right. Um, okay. Uh, I, I, would you believe it would be a waste of time to send the police there? She would probably come to the door and say everything's fine? Well, they did send the police there, and look what happened. So, yeah, that was a huge waste of time. Okay. And uh, I want to say this. I want to explain something real quick to my listeners and for you, and because and, I, I understand. I, I'm not, I do a podcast. It's a small podcast. And I have no personal connection with Scientology. I have no past personal history. I have not been affected in any way personally by Scientology. But mm-hmm. I feel like it's a time where I've seen enough. I've done enough research. Every voice should be heard. And I'm not trying to take away... From, there's there's podcasts dedicated to surviving Scientology uh, by ex-Scientologists. There's, there's plenty of exposure to Scientology. I feel like there's never enough voices. And I feel like if you see something wrong and you want to do something about it, you should. And that's why I do what I do. That's why I've created this show totally. yeah. and why I brought you on. And I hope to have others on. Um, why? And you've said a lot of it. You, you basically said it the whole interview. But just to summarize, why do you speak out? And why should others who, who aren't personally involved speak out? Well, the bottom line is because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. You know, is really what it comes down to. You have a, you know, we're in this world to do whatever we're going to do with our lives. We only have a short time to do it. And you, you, how, do you, how do you want to be remembered? Yep. You know? What legacy do you want to leave for your life and for others? It, I think it should be a positive one. I think, it should, I think that we, we're, I don't think that we're here for some purpose. I think the universe is pretty random, but I think that we can choose to have a purpose and that that purpose should be a constructive one. Absolutely. I think that, you know, when you're faced with a situation where you have been, uh, you know, conned, fooled, right, hoodwinked, whatever, you you should do something about that, you know, and uh, and especially with something as destructive, as overtly destructive as Scientology. So I think that's, in a way, I feel that I'm doing this, and others who, who, are, who are critics of the church are doing this out of a moral obligation of what's right. You know, what's the right thing to do? Yep. And, uh, and also, of course, the other reason why this is helpful to do for me and other ex-members is because it's cathartic. It really, really helps to recover from the process by, uh, that you've been through to speak out, to, to learn about it, to tell others about it, to share what you know. And this is any group. This is anybody. You know, this is not just Scientology. Yep. Uh, not any stretch, right? When you come out of some horrible situation, no matter what that situation is, you know, speak out about it, find a voice, find a medium, and use it, and it does help you too. And I and I say that from three years of personal experience, and I and I and I just can't um, recommend it enough for yeah. people who have been in that situation. So, so those are those are my reasons. Yeah, for you, I can say that I've never heard a negative thing out of your mouth. So I don't. I, I really can't imagine people bad mouthing you the way they do. So uh, just just for Thank that, you. I think it should be really encouraging. Uh, how many people in social media? Just social media alone has shown up who weren't ever involved, like myself, who weren't, you know, like Tony Ortega, never ever involved in Scientology That's to stand right. up and say, this is wrong. Every, cause how many times have you been in a situation in your life, we all have been, either at the workplace or in school or somewhere, where you were singled out and someone could have spoke up for you, but things were too good for them to speak up. Why would they sacrifice themselves for you? And uh, this is me setting the example, and these people on social media, they're setting that example and uh, and good, good for that. That's that's what we should be doing. Um, that's right, exactly. It, and it and it doesn't take a lot of time. It's not a lot of effort, nope. you know, to contribute to this kind of motion, you know, or to um, help those of us who are. 
Now, no. do you think I'm putting myself in any risk, or is it like we're past that point anymore where they could really do anything because there's too much exposure? Because my wife has asked oh, me. No I, <laughs> no, I mean, look, it took them three years to to go to get around right? putting, a, putting a page up about me. You know what I mean? Like, ooh. So, <laughs> no, I don't. I, you know, I, if this were the 1970s, if this were the 1980s, we'd be having a very different conversation. Right. 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 But, but yes, so much we're not there anymore. Yep, so much you know, is out. The Church of Scientology is not as powerful as it once was. Um, it is not as litigious as it once was. Um, it certainly has the resources to be. Don't get me wrong. Right. Because I'm not trying to, you know, poke a sleeping bear or something and saying these things. It's it's very very possible that they could come after me or anybody they wanted to legally or otherwise, they have the resources to do it. But but the exposure is so great now, and the ability to expose what they're doing is so instantaneous because of the Internet that the whole game field, has, the whole playing field has changed. And yep. this isn't the 70s or the 80s anymore where they could rely on their bully, third-grade bully tactics Yep. And not have anybody notice what was going on. Those days are gone forever. Yep. And that's what they've lost. And that's why their teeth are not as sharp as they used to be. It's because the light of truth and, you know, of, of exposing their crimes and their nonsense is so much easier for anybody to do. You know, they're following you around. You just got to whip out your iPhone, you know? Yep. Recording them. It just backfires. You know, you can live stream it to the internet. Millions <laughs> of people are watching them do yeah. what they do right now in real time. You know, it has come a long way. So, yeah. So the internet has really become um, very enabling for people like us in, in this way. And this is one of the this is one of the very very positive aspects of the information age. We talk about the negatives all the time, and there are a lot of negatives, but there's also positives, and this is one of them. And so, so it so it has defanged the church greatly, and um, and these other destructive cults as well. Everything, almost everything I've said today about Scientology applies just as much to every other destructive cult out there, and I yep. hope people get that message. You know, it's not just Scientology that does this stuff. And it's not just Scientology who should be exposed for it. Oh, there's cults hurting people we never even heard of, and, and they need to be exposed if they can be. Absolutely. That's right. Exactly. You know, good rule of thumb to so, avoid these things is my philosophy is be ready to accept or believe anything. I'm willing to believe anything, but I will question everything. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's what critical thinking is all about, you know, is questioning everything, not being so damn sure that you know everything there is to know, because none of us do. You know, none of us do. You know, and so we can learn things and, and grow and make decisions and stuff based on those, based on our knowledge, but we should always, always, always be willing to learn more and know that we don't know as much as we like to think yep. we do. <laughs> yeah, we do like, we do have egos. You know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so it's, and that's why I think that I've gotten into critical thinking as much as I have, because it was a real, uh, boy, life lesson. You know, yep. Scientology was, uh, talk about, you know, learning a lesson the hard way. Okay, but so... That's, that's what I did, you know. So I, I've kept you a very long time here, Chris, and I don't want to... What I do with all my guests, no, I'm not going to exclude my Scientology or cult guests, <laughs> the... Um, I do 10 questions. It's a silly 10 questions. Think fast and just you answer them. If you're not comfortable, oh, say okay. pass. It's a fun little exercise. Uh, before we do let me ask, are, are we going to see any more of you on Leah Remini uh, Scientology the Aftermath? Um, I doubt that you're going to see me on her show. Okay. I have done some, um, I have been in touch with the producers and whatnot. You will see little influences of mine on the show. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, yeah, but but you won't see me on on camera that I know of unless they invite me out there again. Oh, right, phenomenal, phenomenal! And, and just before we get to ten questions again, you have a uh, uh, critical thinking at large as your YouTube series uh, series. 
Yes. My, um, my YouTube channel is actually my name, Chris Shelton. Okay. So if you Google Chris Shelton Scientology, you will find you know, everything that I do very rapidly. I have a YouTube <laughs> channel. I have a blog uh, called mncriticalthinking.com. That has all my videos and everything on it, as well as some written articles. And I have my book, which is available on Amazon as a audiobook, hardcover book, or you know, hard copy book, and uh, ebook. Excellent. And, uh, and it's and it's a and it's a critical analysis of Scientology. It's not just my story. To break down. You no, know, it's not just my memoir. It's an actual critical analysis of the whole subject. Excellent, excellent. I, I look forward. I have not read it yet, but I do look forward to reading it. There's a lot of books that I never looked at that I intend to read now, like The Unbreakable Miss Lovely, uh, as you knew, A to Z, uh, Larry Remini's Troublemaker. I, 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 I start start reading them all soon. Um, yeah. <laughs> so here we go. Yeah, they're fascinating books. I'm telling you, man. Operation of the uh, uh, Unbreakable Miss Lovely is fascinating. That's the Paulette You're Cooper. You're horrified when you read that thing. Yeah. I want to read that. Um, but here we go. We're going to go with 10 questions. Thank you again, and uh, we'll, just, yep. we'll close off the 10 questions. But here we go. 10 questions with Chris Shelton. Number one, true or false? Xenu's story could be a great movie if done right. True. I can imagine an awesome, awesome story, but I wouldn't... Yeah, I'd want the right people to do it. Maybe J.J. Abrams. All right. (laughs) Number two. (laughs) Politically speaking, we won't get too political, but the two-party system is part of our problem. True. From 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 a critical thinker right there. Uh, we we breached in the earlier number three. Uh, just like in just a couple words, Leah Remini is uh, amazing, awesome, um, brave, um, ballsy. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, someone said she's got it. more balls than David Miscavige, and I I probably believe that. Oh, by far, by far. <laughs> yeah. Number four, true or false? You are, and I see this with people who, who've been through drug addicts, you know, uh, different things, different bad points in their life. True or false, you're better off for having your Scientology experience. Oh, man, that's a tough one. It's loaded a little bit. It is. I will simply say, rather than say true or false, I will simply say I don't regret the experience because it made me who I am now. Mm-hmm. But I, But I honestly believe my life would have been better without it. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, number five. Think fast. Uh, if you're having breakfast, do you prefer a pastry, a donut, a cereal, or something else? Oh man, a donut <laughs> every time. Donuts are good. <laughs> All right, number six. Cast L. Ron Hubbard in a movie. Who would you cast as L. Ron Hubbard in a movie? Um, the janitor. <laughs> Okay, that's, that's awesome, right? Uh, number yeah. probably had the same amount of credibility. Uh, number seven. <laughs> to you, what is God to you, or is everything to you have a scientific explanation? God is an undecided hope of uh, the, the potentiality of something bigger than us that perhaps created what we experience as life. There almost has to be something bigger. At some point, science fails to explain. There are many questions that science does not answer adequately, which is why we have philosophy. Actually, science comes from philosophy. So, uh, yeah, that's that's what I believe, and I think that uh, until science has those answers, if and when it has those answers, I'm going to continue to hope that there is something more. That's a great answer. Uh, uh, Number eight, what was the last song stuck in your head? Uh, Fortress Around Your Heart by Sting. All right. Very good. And number nine, who was the next? So, so Lair Remini we looked at, and Mike Render we looked at, but Lair Remini as a celebrity looked at and said, what is she thinking? And she turned it around, and she's she's now an advocate for ex-Scientologists and helping families uh, not lose each other. Uh, who was the next most redeemable celebrity in your mind? Is that like Jada Will Smith or Kirstie Alley or Jenna Elfman or who, who in your hope, mind? Uh, I actually hope, uh, what's her name, uh, Laura Preppen? Okay. I hope she steps out. I think I think she, I think it's I think it's uh I'm hopeful that she will step out. Okay. It seems like she'd be influential with a whole lot of age groups. 
Um, I think so too, and uh, I think she would. I think it would matter if she stepped out, and I think it's realistic to expect that maybe she would. Okay. Versus uh, some of the other celebrities who are, you know, gonna die. Scientologists. I mean, Tom Cruise is never gonna leave it. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and Kirstie Alley is never gonna leave it. I mean, they're just, they just, they just can't. It's, it's just too much part of them. Right. Right. I'll never understand it, and we can talk about it probably for three hours. I'll never understand it. Uh, but uh, number ten, uh, uh, without this, you'd be lost. Without blank, I would be lost. Finish that sentence or complete that sentence. My girlfriend. Awesome. Very supportive. My, my family. Yeah. My family. My loved ones. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. Is there anything else you want to say? Any more messages you want to put out before I end this? Um... No, I think I've I think I've pretty much said everything except perhaps you know these words. Uh, please don't get involved with Scientology. That's good <laughs> enough. All right, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. And oh, I, actually, there is one last thing I should say. If if by some wild opportunity there is some Scientologist listening to this, I do want to tell you that there is life outside of Scientology. It's real. It's possible. And it is fucking wonderful it is so step out because it is there's a lot of help out here there is a lot of support you do not have anything to be worried about well what's that email address by the way what situation you're in there's an email address that that, uh, tony ortega and mike render and leah remini are always pushing out you know the email address uh hushmail oh yeah hushmail is great for for uh, private communications and stuff, I think I think the one they're looking for is stories about science. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. I thought that was yeah, also the whole people. Knowledge report. I think that's knowledge report. Knowledge reports. Oh yes. Okay, there yeah. you go. All right. Yeah. But there's a there are support systems out here. They are not publicized. They're not broadcast. They're not talked about because the Church of Scientology would shut them down if they yeah. found out about it. But they exist. They're out here, and um, and if people need help they can get it so awesome awesome well thank you so much for coming on the show and i hope people hear this and uh i hope it makes a difference to somebody like i said uh i tried to get the scientology guy on and he was like how big's your audience and i'm like well aren't you happy if you reach just one person isn't that how it should be <laughs> he's like why do you care how big my audience is shut up <laughs> well good luck to you i hope podcast reaches some folks and uh and i hope you have uh success uh, you too take care chris thanks a lot. all right so there was chris shelton uh really really great guy really great conversation uh um, just to, to piggyback on what he said i mean let's just look at what i'm doing here i'm not going to get famous off of this um People want to help. You speak out. People want to help. You hear earlier Emily's story. You hear Mike Ritter's story. You hear Amy Scobie's, Mary Kahn, uh, Paula Cooper, Kurt Shelton. These people come out and they speak, and, and, and everybody wants to help. There was a report from Independent Scienti- uh, Scientology News that had a um, a little girl 12 years old told her parents on Twitter. It was reported – told her parents she wants to be a reporter. She can help Leo Remini. I remember seeing my first report on Lisa McPherson on 2020 in 2006 or 7, and and I haven't heard much about it for how many years now? Like almost 10 years, and uh, there's these these claims of abuse that don't come out to years later, or or claims of abuse that happened years ago that came out and still aren't talked about to this day. We can't let this be forgotten, and the more people, the more of you who used to be in Scientology who want to speak out that have been afraid to that actually come forward, the more people who want to help and do something with you and for you, and that's kind of what we have next week. Squirrel Buster for a day. Um, what is this guy's name? <laughs> uh, Bert Lay just came on Twitter, and we followed each other, and uh, and this guy was a squirrel buster for a day. He He hated having to do it and be involved in it. And he wants to speak out now. So next week on another extra special edition of Come Get Some Friday, you're going to hear from Bert Leahy, cameraman who was one of the Squirrel Busters uh, following around uh, Marty Rathburn. So you don't want to miss that. And I'll have more opinions. I have so many opinions after this last Tuesday's uh, Scientology, the aftermath. I got a lot to say. Just not much time to say it. Uh, I will say real quick before I go, oh, my God. <laughs> the idea that Scientology is protected by the religious freedom in, in, in the First Amendment 
to some extent, there's got to be a place where law can step in. If they were skinning people alive and putting them on the front lawn and saying that's your religious practice, I guarantee you somebody would step in. There's got to be some precedent for for illegal acts, egregious illegal acts, and, and I'd like to see that looked into. In the meantime, make sure you check out my other show on Thursdays with Donna Hare on UFOs. It's been amazing. She's amazing. You have to check it out. In the meantime, until next week, uh, you guys have a happy new year. Uh, that about sums up sums up the year. Uh, take care, and I'll see you then. I'm getting down to the sum of this. The sum of that. The sum of everything. Come on.